Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This episode is brought to you by Boombox Gifts, memory boxes filled with personal messages and photos from friends and family for your next special occasion. Check it out at boomboxgifts.com. I'm really excited to be interviewing Biz Owens today. Biz is a former stand-up comic and corporate event planner. She now co-hosts the comedy podcast that happens to be about parenting called One Bad Mother. She, along with her co-host, Teresa Thorne, wrote a parenting, sort of, advice book. You're doing a great job, 100 ways you're winning at parenting. Her sister, Helen Ellis, by the way, is the author of Southern Lady Code and American Housewife, and she also recently came on my podcast. Biz currently lives in Pasadena, California with her husband and two children, so welcome to Biz. Welcome, Biz. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. So how did you get the name Biz? I have to start with that. All right. So my real name is Elizabeth and I got the nickname at summer camp and there are two competing stories as to why I was given a name biz at summer camp. I will stick with the uh, nicer one in which a guy named Matt Johnson, his little niece couldn't pronounce Elizabeth. So she would say biz to his cousin So that's why he claimed they called me Biz. And then I moved to the school where all those people were. And I just walked in the door with the name Biz. And then no matter how hard I try and maybe change it, somebody inevitably calls or sees me and says, hey, Biz. And then everybody around me goes, Biz. And (laughs) so now that I've got kids, I had to like start a whole new email and like all this stuff because I was like, I don't, I'm like 45. I'm doing like preschool and elementary school stuff. I'm not sure I want to go by biz at the PTA or any of that. (laughs) So, you know, I'm trying to keep my lives separate. The other story is just that we get busy at camp. Don't tell anybody! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, you're so funny. Well, I have a similar story. My real name is also Elizabeth. And oh, is it? Yeah. That's great. And somebody, one girl in my playgroup who ended up being my maid of honor actually for my first wedding couldn't call me Elizabeth and call me Zibeth and my parents shortened it to Zibby. And like you, it seems to have stuck and I cannot get rid of it. So anyway. Yeah, well, it's good for the like podcast, you know, persona. Because like then if you're somewhere and you want to be Elizabeth, people might not, you know, linking. Yeah. Yeah. Like go incognito. Incognito. So tell me about, I want to hear all about your podcast, One Bad Mother, and also your book, which is so fantastic. But let's start with the book. So in your book, you say right away that it is not designed to make parents feel bad. And you feel, you know, other books might make parents feel bad, even when they try to give us advice. Why do you think that happens? Talk to me about that. Did you? Okay. You have four children. I do. I do. (laughs) I know this about you. I, so you may have experienced this. I really felt like a lot of the books I read with my first child made me feel not necessarily comforted mm-hmm. or like confident about what was about to happen. A lot of books also made you feel like if you were nervous about it, then something you were probably doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> so, and then after I had my daughter, Katie Bell, and even Ellis, it just, I just felt like I kept running into all these situations that were never spoken about in a book. Teresa, who co-hosts the show with me, 
she and I would come in and start talking about something. And more than once we'd say, why is this not in a book? No book ever told me my kid was going to poop in the tub at some point in time. Like, and and that's how I was supposed to respond to that. Right. No one, you know, told me that, you know, yeah, they, they're going to cry at night, but that it might go on forever. Right. <laughs> like, there's always that book that's like, just let them, you know, cry and they'll stop. But like, what if you have the kid that just never stops? Or like, what if that instinctually doesn't like fit with your instincts of how you want to parent? And like, so we just as were like realizing that books tended to make you feel like you shouldn't trust your instincts. And there was only one way to do it. And of course, there were a million books. So there were a million different ways you were supposed to do it. Yeah. And the reality, all the ways are actually fine. Whatever works, you should do it. And so we just wanted to make a book that reminded you, no matter how you were doing it, if it was working, good job. <laughs> You've done it. You, you discovered how to parent. That's, <laughs> that's basically why we, why we made the book. That's great. And so refreshing. I mean, everybody needs that. Even just like telling you like, you know, all the little things, like (laughs) some of the things you point out in your book, first of all, waking up, you know, great job. And (laughs) see, that should be it. We should be done for the day. That's it. Yeah. Surviving (laughs) a baby shower in which your cake was shaped like a vagina. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for putting that in your book. (laughs) Do that. (laughs) Are there some things that moms do well that you think they don't get enough credit for? Yeah, just, I mean, moms and parents, everybody who've got children, I just don't think there's so much about what we do every day that is completely unacceptable to talk about (laughs) anywhere, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's the most mundane things become so important. Like I decided I wasn't going to battle meals and foods with my second child. Okay. I just decided this, it wasn't working. It was super unpleasant and I was miserable. So the other day I actually, for the first time, he's five, my daughter's nine. I made a garlic lemon pesto that I knew he liked and my daughter tried it and liked it. And for the first time ever, all four of us ate the same meal. Okay. It was amazing. Like I felt like this pure joy and elation come through me. Now, who am I going to tell? Okay. Like I can't like go to work and be like, guys, guess what? Everybody ate the same thing today. Like People would be like, what's wrong with you? And like, that's not how I was raised and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I just feel like it's those little tiny moments that like, no one seems to care about. And I think those are the ones that like, it's those sort of hidden secret levels of parenting that Teresa and I both talk about all the time are, are just so overlooked. And I think that's one of the hardest things about parenting. I, I just, every time I see somebody like with kids and groceries, I just think you did it. You just did that. Good job, you know. My my husband and I were on an airplane last night, and this woman was by herself with a toddler, and the car seat, and the stroller, and the whole thing. And I was like, "Can I help you? Can I help you?" <laughs> and she's like, "I'm okay, but thank you." And she's walking down the aisle, and I was like, "It gets easier." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and my husband was just like, well, every every mom, you just have to like talk to every yeah. mom. And I was like, well, I just have to like let her know, you know. <laughs> okay, you're here. You can change your mind and I will still help you. <laughs> totally. I feel like, oh my gosh. Yeah, the other day, both my kids ate the scrambled eggs without complaining that I made for breakfast, like my, my two older kids. And even yeah. that, I was like, Thank do you like do you know how much it means to me when you both eat it? Like I know scrambled eggs, I do this every morning, but it just makes me feel so good. So anyway, your book is so validating. So thanks. You have this funny part too in Partnered Parents. You write, you didn't choose to have this is about your relationship yeah. and sort of you didn't choose a total jerk to have this family with. Good job. <laughs> Having a kid puts tons of pressure on everyone. That means you might sometimes experience anger, confusion, or resentment toward the person with whom you chose to make a family. But if you think back to the person whom you chose to say, I do, or sure you can move in, or it's okay, we don't need a condom, or whatever, <laughs> that person wasn't a total jerk. They were pretty good. They are pretty good. They're just tired and stressed right now, and so are you. Neither of you are jerks. <laughs> I love that. So talk to me about dealing with partners and kids. Do you have any like secret, secret sauce? Oh how to, any tips, any just worth commiserating about? Therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that helps a lot. Yeah. You know, I think we, Teresa and I have done some shows about resentment a couple of times. And, you know, one of our mantras is you didn't marry an asshole. So <laughs> Though some people did, all right? Like, I'm not, we don't want to say, you know what? Sometimes you wake up and you realize you did, and then we got to take steps and take care of that. But in a partnered parent situation in which everything seemed to be okay, I feel like two things sort of happened. The first level that we sort of discovered happening was if you are a mom and you are the primary caregiver, the moment your partner isn't like takes over like all right I'll take the baby for the walk or whatever we basically set it up so that we don't allow them to fail despite we fail all the time we've all gone out without the diaper we've all gone out without the socks or the hats or the keys or the credit card or whatever and no one is shaming us right but the moment like you know poor stuff in my husband would take Katie Bell out without a hat I'd be like you have I got the hat you know like you're a monster as opposed to just shutting up and letting them discover parenting the way that they need to parent. Like it's really hard. Like it's really hard. And usually you, (laughs) (laughs) usually me that has to be like, I don't have to say anything. And like I discovered recently now that my daughter's nine, he and she got into like, like one of their first like total fights. Okay. And now we're not a yelling house, but I mean, as much as we are, they were having that kind of morning fight and Ella's the five-year-old screaming and crying. And it's the day he's got to take both of them to school. So it's like, I'm just loading crying children into his car. And, you know, he was yelling and ah. and later my mind was like, oh, you stepped in that, you know, all you had to do was just not say anything. You know, I had all this advice for him. And then instead of saying any of that, I just said, I love you. You're doing a really good job. That's all I texted him. And because I knew he knew. That's so I mean, nice. Yeah. If I was standing around thinking about it all, I'm sure he did too. Because yep. I didn't marry a jerk. <laughs> right? So, you know, I think that's like a really hard thing. And the only other thing I would say is that like, I think sometimes when we're so busy 
at least for us, I'll sit on stuff for a long time before I say anything and then I'll explode. Mm -hmm. And I know, so for me, if I don't sit on it, if I say it right away, that seems to really help. And I don't have to have a solution like before I tell him what's going on. So that, that's, I mean, like that. And if all you've got is remembering to yourself, he's not an asshole. He's not an asshole. She's not an asshole. She's not an asshole. Then, then we're okay. Then I think that sometimes that's the best we can do. I think that should be your new series of, of shirts. <laughs> I didn't marry an asshole. I didn't I'm, marry an asshole. Right. Just like an arrow that's like, yeah. I'm not with an asshole. Right. <laughs> he's, he's not an asshole arrow. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. So you started One Bad Mother in 2013. Tell me about what made you start this podcast. I know you were a stand-up comic before, and you originally said it was a podcast that happens to be about parenting, right? Yeah. So tell me, tell me about how it got started. So I was living in New York with my daughter and Stefan, and like I had, I used to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I did stand-up and sketch and out at night and like, you know, I was reading cool things on the subway and like, you know, smoking cigarettes and like, I was so cool. And then I had this kid and I suddenly did not feel cool at all. And in fact, I am still nine years in having a real struggle with identity. And I started looking around and I just felt like there was nothing out there that validated that I used to be a person. And like everything at the time, there weren't podcasts, there were just like blogs and stuff. And so everything was just these picture perfect experiences. And I enjoyed looking at those. They were great, but it wasn't the experience I was having. And then we moved to LA and Stefan and Teresa's husband, Jesse Thorne, were like, you guys would probably really hit it off. And we were both like, we have small children and we're tired. We don't want to make new friends. You know? So like, but we did. And we started walking together. We started doing walks together. And I told her about the idea and she liked it. And then I realized she should co-host it with me because we did nothing alike. We, we mm. really approached parenting super differently. And I thought, well, that might also be a good element for a show that's out there. You know, like not just showing perfection, but showing that we can both feel strongly about our different choices, but still be friends and like still be okay. This was like knee deep in the mommy war stuff, which I don't think is a real thing. I think it's just made <laughs> us fighting to make us all mad at each other. But yeah, so I just wanted to create something cool. Mm-hmm. For people and something honest, and what's been really great is that Teresa and I have actually become friends on the show. Like we weren't friends before, <laughs> really, before the show started, and so it's been really interesting talking about these different experiences we're having as parents. We're not—I say we're not a parenting podcast because nothing we say could be really helpful <laughs> followed at all. We just want to talk about like. Once you become a parent, people forget about you. And we just wanted to be like, well, no, we're, we're people and we're really growing as well. We're really struggling too. And it's not so much about the kid, but it's how we're reacting to our children and how our children are making us feel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what the podcast is bound up being about, you know, just being as honest as we possibly can without ruining our children's lives by sharing too much. <laughs> And now, of course, podcasts have like exploded. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. 
You're like in the right place at the right time. You should be like giving each other high fives every day. I know, except we listed ourselves under comedy on iTunes. And so now there's like a million parenting podcasts. And like, we're just like, no, we're like, hey, we're comedy podcasts. Like, and people don't know how to find us. <laughs> I know. It is crazy how you have to define yourself in these yeah. limited categories in the beginning. It's like, I, know. I was debating to parenting or arts and culture. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's hard. Right? It's, I don't know. Yeah. But I think it's nice because people don't always. I feel like parenting, the way you think about it sometimes, does feel prescriptive. Like, yeah. this is going to be a class or this is something I need to know. And I think a lot of moms, when they just want to break, would yeah. gravitate to comedy. So I think you made the right call. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, tell me what you said a minute ago that you're still struggling with your identity and that's still something that you are dealing with. Tell me a little about that because I'm sure everyone can relate. Yeah, no, I, I've never felt 100% like a mom, whatever that's supposed to be. Like there are days where, you know, I've got one foot in motherhood, one foot in work, one foot in social, which is, sorry, social, that went right out the door. One foot in just trying to reconnect to anything I once really enjoyed as who I used to be. And then having to discover that having my feet in so many places isn't good. And I may not want all the things I used to have, like whatever I used to be, that may not be who I should be now. It's like a, we we did a show recently on haircuts and it's like, I recently got a haircut that was an awesome haircut five years ago. And I got it again, shave said, pull over. And I was like, whoa, as soon as they did it, I was like, wow, that is not who I am anymore. That doesn't look right on me anymore. Like, Now I just look like old mom with weird haircut. And like, it it totally represents how I feel all the time. Like, okay, I'm going to get back into such and such. And then I I start trying to do it. And I'm like, maybe I don't like this anymore. Like who? Yeah, I, I just, I don't think any of us step into motherhood really like easily. I mean, everything changes. You're supposed to be this other person. Everybody sees you as another person whether you wanted them to or not, you suddenly have these the people in your life that need you. So and you instinctually want to take care of them. You know, there's that partner possibly around that you would like to connect with, or maybe you're solo parenting, you're a single parent and you're, you know, trying to remember what it like, what any relationship would be, you know, great to have. Maybe you adopted kids and boom, they just pop up. They just show up in your house. There's no warning in the adoption world sometimes or the fostering world. And then you're stuck being like, who am I? And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm still not there. I'm still not. There's some days that I'm like, yeah, I am a mom. And then there are other days where I'm like, I am. Don't use that word around me. Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> So do you feel like, no, it sounds like mom to you means like you just, it it just does not jive with anything else. Like that, that I feel like mom to you is something very conservative or traditional or something else that you. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Cause that is, it's that it's whatever my connection is with the word mom. I mean, there are. Is that what your mom was like? No, she, no mom, you know, she. She lets, you know, I think Helen Michelle said it best who was on your show recently, you know, mom, mama and papa, you know, raised us to be, you know, feminists 
in a time where that was just kind of becoming something okay in the deep south and you know i often am like how did she do this you know she went to law school when i started first grade i mean that's intense and you know i mean like i it wasn't that traditional but i think probably for me when i think of mom i think of all the like restrictions that media and imagery put on mom and then we feed into that ourselves you know, with the, and like, ugh, the internet, my mom didn't have the internet, you know, she didn't have Facebook and Instagram and, you know, perfection or land of nod catalogs coming, like making you feel like, God, if I just painted everything white, my children would be so happy and want to play in that room, you know, like. <laughs> with a, with a, with a teepee and like, you know. A teepee, yeah. right, which is like, I'm like, how are they still selling teepees? Those aren't okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's just like. Ah, yeah, I, it is true. I feel like, and I think what I'm wrestling with and am still working on, thank you, therapy, is connecting those two for me, is, is connecting, you know, the what mom means to me with who I am. And I, I feel like now that my kids are out of infancy and toddlerdom and preschooldom and they're like kids, you know, I feel like, at least for me, there's some breathing room suddenly to like have the time to try and make that connection again. And I think the trick is allowing ourselves the time to do that. Cause I don't think we give ourselves a lot of time as parents. Right. And also that it doesn't have to be so black and white. Right. right. Yeah. Like, that's hard. That's hard. To that's hard out. too. Yeah, I know. Black and white. No, I'm, I'm the same way. I get it. I just, I don't know. I feel like these days there's so many types of moms. Like it's hard to, it's not the way it was with the, 1950s beautiful skirts and I feel like mom today I mean look at you you're like we're on Skype for listeners but you just got this like massive tattoo on your arm which is like so badass really I mean it's like you know you're your own mom I think it's awesome it's like thank you I can do the tattoo and then I can make a beautiful bunny cake for Easter I'm sure you can (laughs) anyway Enough of my prying through your inner psyche here. Anyway, do you have any advice from your experience? Moms who are worrying that they are just not doing a good job, the moms out there who are similarly feeling victorious when, you know, someone goes down for a nap or the tantrum ends or some, you know, bad mood is redirected. Do you have any advice for them? Just that they are doing a good job. I I feel like the... So we have a hotline that on the show that people can call and they can call and leave a genius moment, which would be the like, everybody ate or my kids slept for 15 minutes. <laughs> like you can also leave fails. That would be everything from, I did all my grocery shopping and realized I didn't have my credit card or I left with milk in the bottom of the stroller. We've all done that. I dropped the baby. You know what I mean? Like babies have fallen off of changing tables. And we have all like accidentally like, you know, the car seat has wobbled or, oh my God, I just got somewhere and realized I didn't buckle the kid in. And I can say that because we get about three to 400 calls a month and I hear the same things over and over and over. And, you know, while when we make those failures, it can feel like, you know, we've really done something horrible and we 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 shouldn't even be allowed to be parents the reality is everybody's actually okay and you're okay and no one's really watching 
No one's really watching. <laughs> it feels like everybody's watching, but they really aren't watching. And probably 10 other people have done that like today, right? There's, it's so rare to hear like a fail come in that's like stunningly original, right? And so I think the good thing to remember is just you are doing a good job. Tell other parents you see out there that they're doing a good job. It feels weird at first, but then it gets kind of normal. And the more you say it, the more you feel it. That's like something we've discovered on the show that it's just like, we're just all really tired, guys. <laughs> it's all, you actually are doing a really remarkable job. If you got up and got everybody where they needed to go, including yourself, and there you have pants on. You've done <laughs> it. You did it. You did it. So, you know, it's just be nice to yourself. I love that. I love the being nice to others too. That's really nice. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I feel like uh, I'll rant us off track so quickly, but like, man, I don't know when it came around that we're supposed to not support each other as parents, but that is, I call garbage on that. That is insane. We got to stop it. But that's not something we're supposed to be doing. (laughs) I agree. Throw out the competitive, you know, these competitive moms. It's like the death of me, seriously. I know. I just like, Yeah. What about advice to aspiring authors now that you have this fantastic book out there, which is hilarious and helpful and everything else? Don't I have a lot of advice? I mean, Teresa, and I mean, you you had my sister on. She's, she's a writer. She is, you know, so amazing at, at that. I make jokes. And I feel like for Teresa and I, I think what helped us when we wrote this was committing to time. I mean, and that's the thing I hear from people who come on the show too. Just make the commitment to meet or write or whatever it is that you're trying to create and commit to it. I personally could never have done it if I hadn't had a partner to write the book with. Like if I, if there wasn't somebody I had to be beholden to, that book would never have been written. (laughs) Not, not in the last nine years. Yeah. So it, I think it's just committing to a time and trying to stick with it and putting yourself first to, to do it. Awesome. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, you did it. So, you know, you're one step ahead of the people who didn't do it. So, you know. That's right. It's done and I did it and it was really a lot of fun to yeah. do it. Great job. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and, and sharing all of your thoughts and everything. And thanks for your great podcast and the book and everything. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on to ours. And it was a pleasure. The show is, it's really great for those of us who really don't have time to read it and want to, to help us find what we're looking for. So thank you. Oh, thanks. You are doing a very good job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> have a great right. day. Bye. Bye, Beth. This episode has been brought to you by Boombox Gifts, memory boxes filled with personal messages and photos from friends and family for your next special occasion. Boomboxgifts.com. Thanks to Ryan and Steve at Texture Sound for the audio editing and mixing. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Mm-hmm.